and bushy tail this morning. Y'all doing good? Yeah. Oh, come on. They were more spry than that at 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Y'all got to sleep in a little bit longer. Y'all doing good this morning? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, this ain't football. Calm down. Uh, uh, Pastor Randy asked that we give the same message that we did at the He Paid Your Fees a few weeks ago. And uh, so y'all are going to get it. Y'all are going to get the full meal deal. You're going to call this a twofer. Okay? Sound good? So I got a joke for you because that's what you're supposed to do when you preach. You get up and you tell a joke. So there was a drunk that got on a bus one day and he sat down next to a priest. I know, that's a great way to start a sermon. I love it. <laughs> So there was a drunk, and he got on a bus. He sat down next to a priest. And this drunk, he stank of wine. His shirt was stained. His face was all red. And he had a half-empty bottle of wine hanging out of his pocket. He opened his newspaper, and he started reading. And a couple minutes later, he turned and asked the priest that he was sitting next to, Father, what causes arthritis? The priest replied, Mister, it's caused by loose living, being with cheap, wicked women, too much alcohol and contempt for your fellow man. Imagine that, the drunk muttered and he started reading his newspaper again. The drunk, or a little, while, a little bit later, the priest got to feeling bad and he turned and apologized to the drunk and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to come on so strong. How long have you had arthritis? Oh, I don't have arthritis, Father, but I just read it in here in the newspaper that the Pope does. <laughs> Whammy. That was a good one. I like that one. I got another one for you. It's not quite as funny, though. What did the elephant, or what did the grape say when it got stepped on by an elephant? Not much. It just let out a little wine. I'll take it, I'll take it. It was a courtesy laugh, but I'll take it anyways. That's all right, that's all right. The title of my sermon today is New Wineskins. We're gonna be talking about booze. In case you couldn't tell by the, the jokes, we're gonna be talking about booze. And no, this isn't H-E-B. We're not gonna be handing out samples, so don't get too excited. <laughs> Keep your seats. We're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter nine, verses 14 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up Matthew chapter nine, verses 14 through 17. So to kind of set the stage a little bit, this is right towards the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He was about 30 years old at this time, and his ministry was only about three years long, and this was right there at the beginning. And right here at this time, he began to say and do things that raised the eyebrows of the church leaders of the day. Jesus began to say things that would stretch the traditions that had become a God in and of themselves to the Israelites. You see, the religious leaders of the day had begun to put more stock in their traditions than they did the relationship with God that those traditions surrounded. And at this point in time of the story in the scripture, starting in verse 14, Jesus gets asked a question, and we see how Jesus addresses those traditions. Starting in verse 14, it says this, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, 
Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Talking about Jesus whenever he dies on the cross. That's the bridegroom. Verse 16, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. And pay special attention right here, verse 17, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskin will break, the wine is spilled and the wineskin is ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, whenever I read that, I kind of got a little bit lost because like, why can't you put new wine into an old wineskin? Like, it didn't, it didn't compute. And so many times whenever we read the Bible, we read it kind of like a storybook. And we're like, I'm sure there's spiritual meaning because it's the Bible, right? It's got to have something, some kind of meaning. So I did what any good Christ follower does whenever they don't understand, in the, in it, understand something in the Bible is I got on YouTube. <laughs> and lo and behold... I found something out. So we're gonna take a quick crash course in how to make wine. Good? Okay, we have like three people that are excited. That's okay, we're gonna do it anyways. The rest of y'all can just hang on. So 30,000 foot view, the making of wine. Basically, it's the process in which yeast consumes the naturally occurring sugar of a grape and turns it into alcohol. So basically, the living potential of the grape interacts with the living potential of the yeast, and it makes something brand new. But here's the rub. Here's the problem. Whenever that new thing is created, is it produces large quantities of carbon dioxide. And if you tried to make wine in something that's a hard container, that's sealed, eventually this hard container would turn into a pipe bomb. That I do know a little bit about. I like to blow stuff up. <laughs> so what happened? So back in the day, they came up with this new thing, and the solution was animal skins. So what they would do is they would seal the animal skin tight, they would put the new wine into the wineskin, and as that carbon dioxide was released and it expanded, that wine would seep into every little pore and crack and crevice, and it was stretched to capacity. But the bad thing about that wineskin is it was only a one-use item because once that wineskin reached its full capacity, it could not go any further. And if you put new wine into that old wineskin, it would have too much carbon dioxide inside of it and it would burst the wineskin. So to put that into something we're a little bit more familiar with. I went to a, a roping school a few years ago. And it was a roping school that was put on by Alan Bach. And this was a, a deal that you could go to and they would teach you how to rope better. Now, Alan Bach is a world champion team roper several times over. Been to the NFR many times. Now, there was this young kid there. He was about 15 years old and he was there to learn how to rope better. 
And I saw Alan go up and ride and talk to him while we were roping steers. There was this crazy cycle of this kid would rope and then Alan would come talk to him and then this kid would rope. And the thing about this kid is he could rope decent, but there was, he could get him caught, but there was room for improvement. It was a little wild and Western, let's just say that. And Alan would come and talk to this kid and this kid would go back into the box and run another steer. But the thing is, he would do the exact same thing every time. Alan would try to help this kid, try to coach him, and the kid would go do the same thing. I was sitting next to him one time after Alan got done talking to him, and he turned over and looked at me, and he said, I don't know why he keeps telling me to do things different. I'm catching him every single time. This kid came to this roping school to learn how to rope better. No, better yet, his daddy paid for him to come rope at this roping school so that he could get better. Alan was trying to improve his game. He was trying to put new wine into an old wineskin. And what happened whenever this kid left, he was roping the exact same way that he did whenever he came in, and nothing changed. Put new wine into an old wineskin. You see, whenever Jesus came and he began to preach these things, these, these, these challenging things that raised the eyebrows of the religious leaders of the day, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He didn't want to burst the wineskin. He just wanted to fill it up and give them a new one. He wanted to give them four-wheel drive, if you will, in the age of a bicycle. Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. He didn't want to destroy those traditions. He just wanted to fulfill them. But here was the rub. The rub was that the religious Leaders of that day were an old wineskin. And Jesus was that new wine. And the ideology of those religious leaders could not conform to the new creation that Jesus was preaching. Jesus preached this gospel of a message of forgiveness that was obtainable by grace through faith. And it introduced those religious leaders to a pain that they didn't know that they had. I'll be honest with you guys, there's been points in my life where Jesus has introduced me to my pain that I didn't know that I had. And whenever he did that, it absolutely spit in the face of the religious leaders' piousness, their traditions, their financial stature, their routines, their relationships, where they went to church, what they worshiped, how they treated their spouse. But I grew up roping this way. This is how I've always done it. This is what granddaddy did. This is how he roped. That's how daddy roped. That's how I rope. If it was good enough for them, then it must be good enough for me.
You could even say, I'm super involved in the church. I show up every Sunday morning. I see seven rows back, four seats in. I'm here every time. Some of y'all feel triggered, especially if you're seven rows back and four seats in. (laughs) Those are the ones giggling right now, if you can't tell. My wife, she goes to ladies' Bible study every, every Thursday evening, and I show up to the men's ministry sometimes. I got good food. Oh, how about this one? You could even go so far as to say, I have my tithe set up on automatic withdrawal. <laughs> That's the way my daddy did it. That's the way granddaddy did it. They showed up every week. If it was good enough for them, then it's good enough for me. I would challenge that you've been sitting next to the very thing that keeps you showing up week after week, year after year. It draws you to this church over and over again, but you may have never sampled new wine. I read a story recently about a man that went on vacation to experience the ocean. And as he walked up to the ocean, he found a seashell and he remembered his daddy telling him that if you placed that seashell to your ear that you could hear the ocean. So as he's walking along the beach, he has this seashell up against his ear so that he could hear the ocean. And the more noise that the ocean made, the tighter he would press the seashell to his ear so he could hear the ocean. Imagine this man standing with his back to the ocean with a a seashell pressed to his ear with his other hand covering his other one just so we could hear the ocean, not knowing that right behind him is the power and the roll and the ebb and the flow and the depths unknown, literally lapping at his feet. As he stood there with the seashell pressed to his ear. There is new wine here today. If but we could have the courage to take the seashell off of our ear. I've asked my good friend, Mr. Keaton, to come up here and Give his testimony real quick. Thankful, thankful for that. Like you said, my name is Keaton Rohn. I've uh, been going here my probably my whole life ever since it was down there in the tent. But uh, finally, uh, God has been working on me and using me, and he's been doing this the whole time, but finally give me enough courage to take the seashell off of my ear, like Caleb was saying. But, man, uh, 
Like I was saved when I was 11 years old. I went to a church camp up in Crockett, Texas. We used to go to First Baptist Church in Conroe, and thank God my mom and dad drug me there to send me off to church camp, and I got saved, and man, the Holy Spirit entered me that very night, and I asked the Lord to come be Lord of my life, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was saved. I knew without a shadow of a doubt the Holy Spirit entered me, but when I come home from camp, I didn't crack into the Word. I didn't put no fuel on that fire, if you know what I mean. I uh, I walked this world for uh, probably 10 or 12 years as a so-called Christian without even studying my Bible, without even opening a word, without even trying to figure out what it means. When I was in college, I, uh, my dad, he started sending us devotionals and stuff on his phone, and that kind of helped me get the ball rolling and made me realize that I needed to get in the word. And I got in a little bit of trouble when I lived in Stephenville. I got put on probation, and I'm going to say thank God because it helped change my life. And, and when I was in school, I got put on probation up there for fighting, and I couldn't go do the things that college kids go do. I couldn't go to the beer joints. I couldn't go chase girls. I couldn't, you know, you had wild parties and all these things. I, could, I had to refrain from that. So there was only thing, one thing left to do, and that was getting a word, and that's what helped me start. So I'm thankful for that time period in my life. But before that, I want to tell you that I thought a good man, I thought a man would drink as much as he could drink, fight as much as he could fight and be with every woman that he could. I thought that's what made a man. And before I go any further, I want to ask you, who wants to be God's man? If there's anybody out here in this crowd, raise your hand if you want to be God's man. Raise your hand if you want to be God's woman. All right, just keep that thought in the back of your mind. So I'm in college, and man, things are uh, starting to turn around, and my dad, he's sending us these devotionals, and things are rocking and rolling. Well, I'm like, I need to get in this word. The first book of the Bible I ever read was Revelation. (laughs) I said, I want to know. I feel like we're living in the end. I got to know what happens at the end. (laughs) So I'm reading Revelation, and I read Revelation 3.16, and it talks about being lukewarm. And I knew I had been lukewarm my whole life, and I knew that God was fixing to spit me out of his mouth. And I I didn't want that. I want to be God's man been a thought on my heart and my mind my whole life. I want to be God's man. So I start turning my life around and, and um, no, we are not saved by our works. But once we get saved, if we believe in what we pray, we're gonna, our works are going to change. Y'all feel me? We're not going to do the same old things that we've always been doing before we get saved. If, if, if you're doing the same old things you've always been doing, you're probably not growing very much. Who wants to be a baby Christian their whole life? Not me. So, man, things rock along. My beautiful wife, she sticks with me through all that nonsense I put her through. She should have left me a long time ago. We just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary. Thank God. Um, so, man, so thank, I want to be God's man. Things are rocking along. Well, man, there's been things in my life that, you know, God's asked me to cut out. There's things that when you, when you, repentance is going this way and turning and going this way. So, you can't. God's not going to put up with all those things that you used to do before you got saved. And I'm just going to give you three of them. Uh, just, man, for some of y'all are going to be like, man, I didn't know that. For 15 years, I smoked pot for a long time. And I could do it with no problem, ease, walk around, all of y'all, and y'all would never even know it. I was professional if you would say that. <laughs> Amen. God started working on me about that. You know, how am I supposed to listen to the Holy Spirit if I'm high all day long? I can't. So, man, I knew that he was wanting to cut that out of my life. Thankful. Uh, it, it wasn't, 
it was, it, I mean, I can remember so many times wanting to quit, wanting to quit, wanting to quit, and I'd think, Lord, when I get through with this little bit, then I'll be done. When I get through with this little bit, I'll be done. I'd, I'd throw it out the window. Two or three weeks later, I'd want some more, and I'd go get some more. I never made it up in my heart to quit. You know what I'm saying? And so finally, God got that out of my life. I'm, I'm married. I got children. I, my children don't need that to have their dad like that. My husband or my wife doesn't need her husband to act like that, you know, so I want to be God's man. So I'm dipping snuff. Man, I've, and God was working, you know, this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What you put in, you think God wants that? No. So I'm, man, God convicted me about that, so I quit dipping. And, uh, but there was one thing that I wrestled with him about for a while. And, man, when I'd get in in the evenings, I'd have two, three beers, four beers, sometimes on the weekends, 15 or 20. Uh, you know, and I'm gonna, I've never one time in my life woke up the next morning and been like, man, I'm glad I drank all that beer yesterday. <laughs> that sure did me some good, you know. No, I want to be God's man. I've never one time, nothing about me being 15 beers deep makes me a better man, husband, father, Christ-like, nothing. What am I going to do when Jesus comes back and I'm 15 beers deep? Am I going to be ready? No. So, man, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me about this for a while. And uh, I wrestled with God for, with it for about six months. Y'all know, and I'm just like thinking, well, man, I know something had to give. Well, I tried to hold on to it and hold on to it. Well, this year at Rodeo Bible Camp, I was the, me and Kyle Weir was the games coordinator. And so I got to go home. I didn't have to stay up here with all the kids in the evening. So I go home. It's been a hot summer day. A cold beer, I grab it out of my refrigerator when I get home. I start the bath. I get in the bath. I start drinking that. There's two beers in my refrigerator. I start drinking that beer. And like I said, I've been wrestling with God for about six months. And just the Holy Spirit was on me. And I can remember I said, Lord, it's one beer. <laughs> I audibly praying out loud in my bathtub about 1030 at night. I said, it's one beer. Get off of me. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I said, when I finish that second beer in that refrigerator, I'm going to quit drinking. And I thought to myself, that's what I've done my whole life. When I get through with this little bit, then I'll be done. When I get through with this can of snuff, then I'll be done. I told myself, I said, I ain't going to finish that second beer. I ain't going to do it. And today, right now, it's sitting in my refrigerator in my garage because it's a beer I won't drink. It's my trophy. It's sitting right there. And I haven't had a drink of alcohol since June 20, uh, 23rd. And I'm not going, I'm not going to, I've, I've, I'm, you know how when somebody tells you they're done with something, when they can talk about it. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, I'm saying this is what God has done in my life and I'm thankful. So man, that night I said, I'm going to quit drinking. Well, I, man, I go to bed and I'm, if you say, well, I'm an alcoholic, but uh, I drink every day. Well, man, just look at the writings on the wall. You know, I was, I needed to quit. And uh, I remember I, was, I went to bed that night. And if Trey Johnson is a man, he comes and helps for the team roping. He's a man. He walks in the power and the authority and the dominion of the Holy Spirit. He's been a great help for me in my life, getting the ball rolling. And um, so, man, in my, he, he's a stature of a man, but he has helped me tremendously. He talks on Friday nights at Rodeo Bible Camp. Well, that, that very night, I have a dream. And me and Trey Johnson are at a men's conference. And at this men's conference, there's all my old good time gang from back in the day outside. One of them gives me a joint, the other one gives me a beer, and I got my Bible, and I'm ready to go in this men's conference with this joint, my Bible, and a beer. I'm ready to be God's man. Well, 
I go in there, and there's like a crowd, and Trey's up here on stage, and he walks out there, and he gets a beer from this old boy. He's like, hey, Bo, that can't go where we're going. And I'm thinking, is he going to say something to me? Well, he doesn't. Next scene of my drink, we, you know, he gives his word, gives his deal, and it's a great message. And next thing I know, I'm like, yeah, I want to be God's man. So next scene of my dream, we're walking through the mall, me and Trey. And this guy I'm talking about, he's a mighty of a man for God. And we're sitting there, and this dude I know in real life, he was born handicapped. He, he talked like this because he was born like that. You know, there's, he was, he's a heck of a good guy, but he was just born that way, okay? He's handicapped. And, man, we're walking in the mall, and this fellow that I know in real life has a demon inside of him in my dream. And the Bible says we're supposed to cast him out. Well, man, this demon started doing what demons do inside this fellow. And I just jumped back, get, get out of here. You know, get on away from me. I didn't have the power and the authority. Well, Trey walks up, man, and he casts this demon out in Jesus' name. Well, I just, in my dream, I get up underneath him, and I start praying for this dude. And, man, his eyes, when he, hit, when he fell down, his eyes went cross. And I get up underneath him, and I'm praying for him. And, man, about two minutes later, his eyes come uncrossed. And he wakes up, and he looks at me, and he looks at Trey, and he's going, thank you, thank you. Yes, I mean, as clear as day. And, man, we're high-fiving and hallelujah, and everything's great and good. And we're walking off, and I said, Trey, why couldn't I do that? Why didn't I have the power and authority over it, you know? What, what happened? Because I'd been underneath the influence all day. I wake up at 2.48 in the morning and I go grab my Bible. I'm like, Lord, where are you going with all this? And I'm not the type of person to just, Lord, where do you want me to read here? No, I try to ask God, give me some, give me what you want me to read. You know, I want to receive what you have for me. I, you know, so I'm in my chair and I'm kind of shaking. I'm like, Lord, I'm flipping for a psalm. I'm fixing to go to Psalms and read something, but I stop at Isaiah 58 and I read this. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its gods. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Okay, I'm like, oh, yeah, Lord, that's me. I want you to come near me. I need your help making decisions. I want to seek you out in everything I'm doing. So, I read on in the chapter, and in verse 9 it says, Then you will call, and the Lord will answer, and you will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. You know how many times it says, if, in the Bible, listen, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always, and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be like a well-watered garden? Who wouldn't want the Lord to be your rear guard? Who wouldn't want your light to shine forth like the noonday? I'm like, yeah, Lord, that's me. I want that. If you do away with the yoke of oppression. What does drugs, alcohol, all those things do to the spirit man or the spirit woman inside of you? It oppresses it. You can't listen to it when you're under the influence. And the last sentence in this chapter, 
It says, from the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When I read that, I was like, yeah, I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening. So, man, I knew. I woke up the next day. I knew what I needed to do. I knew that there were some things that God was wanting to cut out of me that I'd been trying to hang on to for so long. I'm going to read you this. Well, that morning I wake up, I come up here, down there in the arena. I'm telling friends about what's going on. I tell Trey what happened the night before. Man, I just raised my hands. I said, Lord, take that alcohol from me. Lord, I don't know why I held, held on to that for so long, but take it from me. Man, I'm telling you what, like a thousand pounds lifted up off of me. I mean, I sat there and cried and wept, but I don't know why I tried to hold on to it for so long. But God's not going to put up with that. I wanted to be God's man. He had to cut something out of my life. We're not going to do the same old things we've always done. James 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Y'all, it's not about the beer. It's about my obedience. Am I going to listen to do what God wants me to do or not? Or am I going to try to hang on to something that don't mean nothing? The way I can put it to you, and I'm going to wrap this up. But man, God has set before us a safe. This is how I can envision it to y'all. There's a safe in front of us. And in that safe is life and life more abundantly. Okay? And he has given us the code, the key, the access, however you want to see it, to that safe. This is the code or the key. Everything that he wants for us is inside that safe. Am I going to be man enough to stick it in there and turn it? Or am I just going to let it pass me by? Don't let it pass you by. Who wants to be God's man? Who wants to be God's woman? Raise your hand. All right, that's up for y'all to decide. Some of y'all might feel a little triggered right now. <laughs> it's not about the beer. It's about the obedience. Whenever we're able to get to a place to where we can submit ourselves to the creator... No, you don't need to go get drunk. I think that's pretty obvious. Let's draw the line somewhere. But your obedience is paramount to being a new creation in Christ. There is no option. Sorry. But if we can get to a place to where it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. If we can die out to the old man and not be stuck inside of this hard jar, because guys, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we'll always got. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result.
Guys, every new season, every revelation, every repentance, every do-over, every word from God, every light bulb moment, every thump between the eyes that says, listen up, get straight, every refocus, every vision for the future requires a new wineskin. That sounds like a lot of things, Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. It happens on a daily basis. In fact, there's scripture to back that up, that we renew our minds every day. Because the reality is, if we walk through our life with a hard jar and we sit inside of this old wineskin and we try to put new wine into it, ultimately one day, it'll break. We have to renew the wineskin, Psalm 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. A new wineskin requires us to set aside our old way of doing things. To set aside our man-made ideology and traditions. And just like Jesus did with the religious leaders of his day, ask him to introduce you to your pain. My friends, we need to put the old wineskin away. And we need to ask Jesus to fill us with a new wineskin. Let's fill it up with some worship. I'm not talking about stuff that talks about me, 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 I, 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 I love you. I love how you always provide for me. No, I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about worship where you said, God, you're the king of kings. I, I love you. I wanna talk about how good you are. Whether you do nothing for me or not, I'm good. All you did, if all you ever did for me was die on the cross, that's enough. That's enough for me to worship him. My friends, could we fill our wineskin with worship? Could we fill our wineskins with prayer? Did you know that it takes communication in order for a relationship to exist? Not a list of requests. The creator of the universe wants to speak to you. What if we fill the new wineskin with his presence? <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Oh, I'm addicted to that stuff. What if we fill the new wineskin with the Holy Spirit? 
I would ask you today, have you bought into the kingdom of heaven so completely that you've given up control of your own body? You see, in the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had died on the cross, remember, Jesus said that you will receive power from on high after he had risen. So whenever on the day of Pentecost, what, what did the disciples do when they were sitting in the upper room? They submitted themselves. They submitted themselves. They crucified their flesh and they submitted to the Holy Spirit. You wanna introduce four-wheel drive to your life whenever you've been stuck on, stuck on riding a bicycle? I dare you to pray that dangerous prayer that asks the Holy Spirit to take control of your life and then submit to it and watch your life do a 180 roll and turn, baby. I would submit to you that the Holy Spirit is the most untapped power of our church today. Now guys, I'm not here to point fingers or preach at anybody. But I would like to ask you a question that I had to ask myself. Has your life become a routine? The sum total of traditions that were handed to you by somebody else. Because the reality is, as the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you as an individual where you sit today in your life today. Have you ever asked yourself, maybe not even voiced it to anybody, but have you ever asked yourself, is this really all there is? I feel like showing up to church is the right thing to do on Sundays, but really, is this it? Is this the sum total of Christianity? My friend, I have good news for you. Whether you've been a Christian for a week or if you've been a Christian for the last 50 years, this is not all there is. There is glory on top of glory on top of glory. If we could but have the courage to remove the seashell from our ear, You see, because the, the Bible tells us that Satan is a mimic and he's a liar and he's the one inside that seashell. He's going. I dare you to remove the seashell from your ear, to stop listening to the liar, to become the man and woman that God has called you to be, to renew your mind daily to crucify your flesh, to submit to the Holy Spirit, to submit to the plan that God has for your life. I dare you to try it.
Maybe you've gotten some new wine into your life before. Maybe you've had a taste of that new wine before. God put something into your heart, but that thing ultimately died and that fire went out. And the reason that that went out is because you got new wine stuffed into an old wineskin and your actions didn't follow the new wine that was put into your life. And if God has put something on your heart for you to go do, if the creator of the universe put something in your heart for you to go and do, that thing is meant to be acted upon. There's nothing in your way other than sin, which separates us from God. Our selfish will and the mimic. If we could but have the courage to not do it within our own selves, but to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us. That new wine requires a new wineskin. Something brand new. Something that's never been before. And I'm not gonna lie to you and I'm not gonna try to mislead you. The most difficult part of this concept of new wineskins is removing the seashell from your ear. To recognize those lies and to become comfortable being uncomfortable to live through that time. You remember how the, the wineskin would stretch whenever that new wineskin comes in. Whenever you become that new wineskin, there's gonna be a time of stretching. I don't think the wineskin enjoys that part, but that's why we've been called to suffer with Christ. Because in those times of suffering are the times that we are made whole that in our weakness, he is made strong. So the question becomes, can you trust God through that process? care where you're at today I really don't I don't care how long you've been coming to this church I don't care how long you've been a Christian God has something for you that you can't imagine you always hear people when they talk to kids especially especially children's pastors and I've been told this my whole life too but from the time I was a little kid God will do great things with you he has a plan for your life and he's gonna do amazing things through you. We're all just little kids. And I'm gonna do the same thing that they did when you were little. I'm gonna tell you, God's gonna do amazing things through you. He has a plan for your life. To be the head and not the tail. 
to lead in a time where it's not popular, to suffer in a time when it's unpopular to suffer, to remove the seashell from your ear and stop listening to the lies of the mimic because there's power outside of that. If we could but have the courage to turn around and renew our wineskin so that we don't walk out of those four doors back there the same way that we walk through. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. God, for being who you are for loving us enough to pursue us. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and maybe you've never sampled that new wine before, you've never given your life to Christ for the very first time, that's the very first wineskin that there is. If you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that today simply by raising your hand and say, Caleb, I want to accept Jesus into my life and ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand right now if you want, if you want to do that. We've got one right over here. I've been doing the same thing for way too long. to be done. I want to give my life to Christ. If you could, you're, if you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Would you mind coming up and letting me pray with you? Got one back here. If you don't mind, come down, come down here. I want to pray with you real quick. Y'all give him a hand. very first wineskin thing. Super simple. Admit, believe, confess. That's all you have to do for that very first initial step to be accepted into the kingdom. That's it. It's very simple. It's not easy because there's some stretching that's going to happen here in a minute. You're going to go out after today and you're like, man, this is really cool. Like Keaton, whenever he's talking about it, he's like, I'm filled with the spirit. I know. I know that I'm a child of God now, but you have to continue to show up. You have to continue to renew your wineskin and to be humble and teachable. So this very first step, we're gonna pray a prayer. And it's not the prayer that gets you saved, but it's what you believe in your heart. I'm gonna help you pray it. And if you repeat after me, we're gonna accept Jesus to come in your heart. Sound good? Just repeat after me next. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And rose again. And rose again. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for my new wineskin. Thank you for my new wineskin. 
Help me to take care of the new wine. Help me take care of the wine. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, Nick, do me a favor. Run over here and talk to this big guy. He wants to talk to you for just a second. Woo! Yeah! Man, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Or maybe you need a new wineskin. I don't know. So I got a, I got a question. Y'all stand to your feet real quick. We're going to dismiss. But I got a question for you. And it's a very serious question, so I, but I want, so I want you to think about it. How many of y'all could say, Caleb? Oh, yeah, hey, be careful right here. There's a little bit of glass that came out of my thing. <laughs> How many of y'all could say, Caleb, I've been living my life too long doing the same thing over and over again, and I need a new wineskin? Now, this is a dangerous thing. I don't want you to do this flippantly. We're dealing with eternal things. I want a new wineskin, and I want, to, I want everything that God has for me. Like Keaton said, I want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman. I want to make a difference for the kingdom. How many of y'all say, Caleb, I'm going to make a commitment to renew my mind. I'm going to submit, and I'm going to do it. Amen. Amen. Keep your hands up. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the commitment that I made. God, I pray a... I pray your name over each and every single person in this room. I speak the name of Jesus over your people, over their lives over the addictions, over the relationships, over the spiritual warfare that's happening around them. God, we speak the name of Jesus into their situations. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be more real to them today than, they've, than it's ever been. That the new wine, that churning that they feel inside their stomach would turn into a rolling flame that would change the people around them in their family, to their neighbors, to their community to their town, to their state, God, to the world, that it would all start today in their heart, right now. We praise you and thank you for who you are, God. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Y'all are to be dismissed. Thank you all.